As we prepare to hear our scripture reading this morning, today we continue our journey through the narrative lectionary. Uh, last week we concluded the Gospel of Mark, which is where we had been uh, since the beginning of January. And as you heard, it wasn't so much an ending as it was an invitation to the new beginning. Uh, that the disciples were to go back to Galilee and to continue to tell the resurrection story through their actions and through their words. Well, this morning we pick up with the book of the Acts of the Apostles. <clears throat> this is a book that was written uh, by the same author who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, it was written about 10 to 20 years after the Gospel of Mark, and it was um, written basically to tell the story of the early church, to tell about those disciples and how they lived and how they began to spread uh, Jesus's message into the world. And so today we're going to read the very uh, beginning of the book of Acts, um, and we'll see Jesus appearing to his disciples after the resurrection. And in this passage, he is going to commission them uh, to be his witnesses that basically they are the ones who are to carry uh, God's message of love and peace and justice and mercy into the world. So let us listen for the word of God. A reading from the book of Acts, chapters 1, verses 1 through 14. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait there for the promise of God. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that God has set by God's own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, people of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus 
and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of God for the people of God. In our text this morning, we hear Jesus's invitation uh, to be witnesses, to be people who help connect the dots to Jesus's life, to love, to ministry, to kindness, to peace, to justice in the world. And this is part of that overarching narrative that we heard last week in Mark and today in Acts, that we are the ones invited to carry on God's resurrection story in the world. We are the one who are to be God's witnesses and to help share the story as the disciples did in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That we are the ones called to speak and to act and to love so that God's message will ripple out uh, to our world. Well, if you think about a witness and what a witness does, there are really two things that are uh, what witnesses most do. The first is to see. A witness is somebody who sees something. You can think about it when you hear the term eyewitness, right? It's somebody who has seen something with their own eyes. But a witness not only sees, a witness is also someone who tells what they have seen. If you think about a witness uh, being brought up in a court of law, a witness is there to tell what they have seen, to testify, to give a testimony. And so when Jesus commissions the disciples and calls them to be witnesses, he is calling them basically to see and to tell about God's work in the world, to see and to tell about God's love, to see and to tell about God's light, to see and to tell about God's mercy, and in so doing, to let that message ripple out for the whole world to hear. Well, today, instead of me just telling you about what it means to be a witness, I figured we would uh, embody it and let us hear from some of the witnesses in our own congregation. And so this morning, we're going to hear from three of our members, Kelly Doherty, Bruce Ellison, and Kathy White, who are going to see and to tell us what they have seen about God's work in their lives. And the lens that we have asked them to use is their Epiphany Stars. And those of you who worship regularly with us at Lake Oswego UCC know that every Epiphany, um, we celebrate by, in part with a ritual about getting an Epiphany Star. And Epiphany is the feast in January when we retell the story of the wise men following the star to reach the baby Jesus, where there it is revealed uh, that he is... Uh, the beloved child of God. And epiphany means revelation. And so we get these stars each year that have a word on them, and we carry those stars with us in hopes that God will reveal something to us through our words, reveal something to us about our lives or our faith or the world around us. Now, none of us could have expected back in January what was going to be happening in our world, uh, much less what was going to be happening in our own lives. And so we wanted to revisit these stars just as a way to think about how we tell the story. 
and how we can be part of sharing God's good news, God's work in the world, uh, in our lives today. So I invite us to listen with open ears and open hearts to Kelly, to Bruce, and to Kathy, as they tell us how they see God at work in their lives today. Good morning. My name is Kelly Doherty, and the Epiphany star that I picked, or maybe picked me this year, was blessing. I'll be honest, when I first looked at this word, I did not experience a wow factor. In fact, I was even a little perplexed. The year before, my word was friendship, and when I drew that, it gave me an instant feeling of direction and even some action. I was fairly new to the church, and it gave me focus and some challenge to step out of my comfort zone to meet others in our church. I did not have any of those great inspirations with the word blessing. In fact, it seemed a little obvious. There's so much that we're blessed with. And I was part of this church and faith community, and that was great. So I kind of just tucked it away. This year, Linda and I decided to hang our words on our refrigerator. So every morning before work, I'd see it, must get my lunch ready and really had no great thoughts or inspirations. It must have been percolating though because I soon started to think about my work. My job was very busy and at the time of this word entering my life there were days I would come home and really wish that retirement was a whole lot closer. The more I thought about blessing the more I started to think maybe this was guiding me to take a step back and look at all the blessings I've received in my work. I love my job, and may, but maybe there was more. Recognizing blessing could really be an action word. I started to think, you know, what I've learned in life is, and in my job is before going into action, you kind of need to know where you're at, where you're coming from. So I felt maybe some refocusing was in order. As we moved into Lent, I reconnected with the church theme, reaching in and reaching out. Kind of like my word suddenly just slapped me upside the head blessing. Maybe I was supposed to refocus my energy and start paying it forward. Though I believe in this concept, I know it can get lost in the craziness of life. I manage several radiation oncology clinics and really felt like finding a way to extend gratitude and grace to staff and those around me uh, was kind of where this word and its energy was driving me. Then COVID-19 hit and it entered the world and our world of healthcare. Within a week, we went from washing our hands thoroughly to completely reworking how our patients entered, who they could bring with them, what resources we were able to use with them. And this is when I think I really started to see the word blessing. I felt reaching in and I felt the reaching in and sending out theme went into action. As our world became more locked down, the daily blessings were more apparent. I appreciated every day when I woke up, had a job to go to. I was and still am excited to be in healthcare and to be able to contribute daily. I, I felt blessed even though my work days were long. I had Linda to come home to at night and we could continue our long walks before and after work where we were able to breathe and appreciate all that we have. At work, I saw my staff in our clinic, we just had this instant feeling of anxiety from the word COVID-19. 
Um, at first, they weren't able to wear masks. We had a lot of changes, and there was just this general worry of exposure. As the anxiety increased, I had this weird sense of calm and really felt the power of my role. In hindsight, blessing seemed to be an inner driver. I found ways to create some humor daily, recognize individual and what gifts they were bringing to our team and to our patients. I was definitely more of a listener and still am um, and than ever and acknowledged their fears, their contributions. It felt easy to extend grace in this difficult time when as humans, we don't always act our best. Having a wife who's a retired pastor definitely has its perks. As, as I was getting ready to write this, I asked Linda to define blessing for me. And I received not one, but seven definitions. My personal, my personal favorite, blessing is an energy that expands hope and love. This is how I'm feeling during all the chaos, uncertainty, uncertainty and difficulty that is happening. Another definition is blessing increased goodness in our hearts and in our world as we share it. Would I have reacted this way without this word? Maybe. And yet, I feel this little word has been helpful in filling me with gratitude and sending that out to the others around me. Since it's only April, I can hardly wait to see how this word will influence me over the rest of the year. Hopefully, I'll not need a pandemic, though, to help me find out. So, in the spirit of my word blessing, I leave you with this Irish blessing. May your troubles be less, may your blessings be more, and may nothing but happiness come through your door. Hi, I'm Bruce. January at church, I look forward to getting my epiphany star word on a paper cut out of a star. I usually lose my star word in the car on the way home, but I almost always find it again and put it on the table next to my computer. When I clean the table and I'm throwing out papers, I look at the star again try to figure out, what, out why I got this word. Last year, my word was trust. I have a hard time trusting someone else to do things for me, like sharpening my skis or barbecuing on the grill or working on the house. After pondering the pros and cons, basically I decided that it was okay to trust other people to do certain things for me and to do other certain things myself, the things that I could do well. Problem solved. That epiphany star word was easy. Star words are easy, I decided. Maybe that's why I looked forward to epiphany again this January. This year's star word was forgiveness. I thought that I'd gotten another easy star word. In fact, my wife Cindy said to me, I don't know why you got that word. You're always the one who forgives. And I said, yeah, I know. And I stuffed this star word in my pocket. Later, I put it on my computer table. I tried to forget about forgiveness, but it kept creeping back into my consciousness. Suddenly, I realized why I'd gotten this word, forgiveness. In 2001, I had a health crisis that wouldn't go away on its own. It was invisible and insidious. Without going into too much detail, I can say it was a long, and lonely experience. I was still working and because of insurance in this modern American world, 
I didn't let my company know of my problems. I didn't take a day off. Undiagnosed side effects during treatment lingered. And after the treatment, I had undiagnosed thyroid disease. And on top of that, my white blood count went flying up. What was wrong? Was this a permanent condition? Nobody knew. I took many tests. I was upset with my doctor, but I forgave them for their missteps because nobody's perfect, even doctors. I became depressed. I quit work. I saw a psychologist and slowly with mental rest and exercise, I began to feel, feel quite a bit better, but I was not completely myself. I felt like I was inside of a plastic bubble. One day, I got a call from our sales VP at my company, who asked if I could come back in and write an important proposal. I thought about it, and I decided to give it a shot. The proposal was good. Then I went on a midwinter business trip to California. I rented a convertible and drove from LA to San Diego, and the sunny weather and the salty air worked its magic. I went back to work regularly and resumed doing things as usual. Over the next year, with little medical attention, the thyroid issue resolved and the white blood count went back to normal. The bubble evaporated. So where does forgiveness come in? You see, I always felt that my company depended on me. I was a rock. When I took that five months off, I felt like I'd let everyone down. I felt like I'd let Cindy down. She never blamed me for anything. She just wanted me to be healthy again. You see, I wasn't really healthy until I forgave myself. Strangely, this unpleasant medical experience 20 years ago changed me. I saw that I wasn't going to live forever. I made time for people. I started being more deliberate, making charitable donations. Today, I make it a point to tell family members how I feel about them. I've become more deliberate about doing things with Cindy, our sons, and our grandsons, no matter where they are. When my mother started going downhill this winter, I stayed with her for five weeks until she went into hospice. During that time, we talked about everything. I forgave her for everything and she forgave me for everything. And when I heard her last words, which were, I'm so excited. Neither of us needed any forgiveness. Good morning, LOUCC. I have five epiphany stars, one for each of the last five years, and they hang on my bathroom mirror. It's a spot where I can look at them every day and from time to time I stop and think about one of them for each of them has played a part in my life a message there hangs foresight discipline listening and courage and finally my new word for this year each year I came to notice each words part throughout its year 
Discipline came the year that my mother became sick and discipline is what I needed as I saw to her care and later, after she had died, to her estate. Discipline was followed by listening and once again I saw it play a part in my life. It was what I needed that year to be quiet and to listen to others, but especially to what my inner self needed. That was followed by courage. I am not a naturally courageous person who can stand up and speak in front of groups. And courage became a word to push me, to help me grow, to become more of what I felt God was pushing me to become. It was several months after that that I was asked to become the moderator-elect. I thought and prayed about that decision and kept thinking of my epiphany word, courage. So with courage in mind, I said yes. So I was excited to draw my epiphany word this last January. I wondered what it would be. How would it play a part in my life this year? What message would it hold? I carefully dug down through the pile of stars to get that one meant just for me. Then I looked at it. What? Originality? What does that mean? What message is that? Always before, I had thought the word was an appropriate word, just what I needed, but originality? I was stumped. After some conversation, it was suggested that maybe it had to do with that later this year, I would assume the position of moderator for LOUCC. Perhaps it was telling me to relax and be myself. I do not have to be like past moderators. That I could see, that made sense, but it didn't feel like an aha moment. But I was good with that. Then COVID-19 came along and one day it hit me. This is what originality meant. Our lives have been turned upside down very little is the same. And since then we have been searching for some normalcy. But normalcy is there, our living, our being the church, our ways of relating to each other have taken a different path, a new way of doing and accomplishing the old normal. It is calling for us to think independently and creatively to be original. This year will be quite different from past years. We are all wading into new territory. We have been shook up. Originality is actually a word for all of us. According to the dictionary, originality means the ability to think independently and creatively, but it also means the quality of being novel or unusual. We are living in novel and unusual times and originality is exactly what I need to be considering. To be moderator-elect or moderator is a way to serve, and this year, more than ever, it will take new creative ideas for us to live out where God is leading us. I am grateful for my epiphany word now. I had my moment of sudden revelation or insight God did give me the word I needed this year, 
I am curious to see how God changes things up. I am excited to see where I and you are being led and how I may serve in new and creative ways with originality.